www.bornagainmormon.com click on the TV shows and they'll be able to get instructions on how to watch it through streaming video anywhere in the world so I invite you to do that in the house tonight we got a large good-looking kind group bearing gifts Jessica uh, Mary Ellen and Janet Pam Tracy Micah Celeste Noah and David they're behaving very well Jim Eileen Glenn and Glenn the Glens, we have the Glens and we also have the Jeds. We have two Glens and two Jeds. That's the Jeds and not the Juds. We have Dave and Brandy, we have Robert, we have Dan, we have Nancy and Dave and Betty. We're glad to have all of you here in the audience and uh, hope you enjoy the show tonight. We have some shout outs to Sam, who I believe you're in your basement right now watching the show, Sam, and I have a message for you. The Lord loves you and your dad loves you very much. He's very proud of the young man that you're turning out to be. I hear great stories about you, Sam, so keep on walking with the Lord. To Joyce B., a book is on the way. Thank you, my sister. Wayne R., thanks. Sharon A., great letter. Ron and Marie, thank you so much. And to all the people that came out last night to pastor in the pub at Denny's in Ogden. Um, just really quickly, it was an outstanding um, event. We uh, filled the entire restaurant, literally every single table was full of people who were fans of Heart of the Matter, and uh, I can't go into names or we'd be here all night, but I love you all. It was great to see you, hear your stories, and, and feel your spirit. Um, it was, we ate, and we talked, we prayed, we had a message, we shared stories, and then some of us retired to the Hampton Inn down the street. And there uh, we had a baptism of some people who wanted to uh, commit their lives to Christ publicly. I have to tell you, I was talking to Micah, my good friend here in the ministry, and telling him after those baptisms how liberating it is to be able to baptize somebody uh, without any kind of sales pitch that they have to become a member of a church or that they have to accept this doctrine or that doctrine or this and that and do this and prepare this way. But just for people who really want to profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we're able to step into the waters of baptism. And, uh, and Micah, he actually filmed this, and so we're going to show it to you tonight. So here it is, the baptisms.
back and accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Tonight and every night. Praise God. And do you want him to become the Lord of your life? He, yes, he has been the Lord of my life. And yes, I want that to continue Amen. for all eternity. Amen. So I baptize you. being the case, my brother, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Listen, um, I couldn't see the, the video, but I happened to be there for it, so I know what happened. And uh, it was a wonderful event. So we're going to meet again in the Denny's in um, Logan, Utah, on the first Monday of December. And if you want to come and enjoy that with us, and if any of you, we don't care what your background is, who you are, where you've been, but if you want to come and make a public profession of your faith and be baptized, We'd love to do it. Sharon and Diane and Randy and Ralph, thank you so much for allowing me to be part of that. Let's move forward. You can go to www.bornagainmormon for more details. Of course, we will have a, a pastor in the pub tonight at Denny's on 5th South, 150 West in downtown Salt Lake City. I was a born-again Mormon. The book that uh, we try to push out to people as often as possible, you can get that at Oasis Books in Logan. Benchmark Books in Salt Lake City, Utah Lighthouse Ministry, Gift of Grace in Springville, Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City, their bookstore, Seeds Bookstore at Christ Evangelical Church. And of course, you can get a copy of it by going to uh, bornagainmormon.com. Again, uh, we'd, we'd prefer that you buy it at one of the bookstores, but if you um, can't afford it, you don't have the money, or you just don't want to buy it because you don't want to support this, but you want to hear what it, see what it says, you can email us and we'll send you one free. 
Listen, we want to invite you to our open house here at the station. It's our Christmas open house, and it's going to happen on De uh, Thursday, December 6th. Here at the station, everybody who has a show, myself and all the other people, are going to be on their sets. We're going to be giving out gifts to everybody who comes through little trinkets. We'll have uh, refreshments, and we just love to see it. We're going to open the doors to the studio and love for you to see KTMW TV 20. So we have a spot that we'd like for you to see about that. This takes about 30 seconds. Hi, I'm Andy Bird. Trinity Jordan. Dixie Johnson. Sean McCraney. Ernest Coker. Vida Asiana. And I'm Greg Johnson, and we want to invite you to KTMW Channel 20 Christmas Open House. We'll all be right here on our sets. Bearing gifts. Eating cookies. And waiting to meet you. So please join us Thursday, December 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. Right here at our studios. All are welcome. Everyone. Yes, everyone. Everyone except, well, maybe, um, we hope to have all of you here. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas! Wasn't that cute? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a great little commercial. Anyway, we hope you join us. Put that on your calendar, December 6th, Thursday night. We'll be here for a couple hours. Come by and uh, join us. Two more manipulation moments tonight. First one from my good friend Andy out in Northern California. He sent me an email, said, I was reading some quotes by the brethren about being loyal to the church and that we as members, Andy's LDS, uh, don't have a responsibility to bring facts and information up to others that isn't favorable to the church, that we actually have an obligation to suppress it. Okay, he read quotes about that. Andy's a trustworthy soul, and I don't have the quotes with me, but I know they're there. Then he writes, then I read some more quotes by the brethren concerning another matter, and they said that the anti-Mormons don't reveal the whole truth about the church, and therefore they, are, um, uh, they qualify for the sin of omission and not disclosing the facts and the whole truth about it and how wrong it is. And so what Andy says is, is this a double standard or what? And uh, I said, frankly, absolutely. And we can bring quotes, if you want to know them, that show the brethren saying, you don't have a responsibility to reveal things. In fact, it's your obligation not to bring anything that is uh, negative about the church into light. And then they'll absolutely flip around and look at people like me and criticize us for not giving you the entire whole story. Doesn't seem right, does it? That's the more manipulation one. And more manipulation two comes from my good friend Celeste, Micah's wife. And she provided this with me. I guess the LDS Church is providing bookstores around the world with a new uh, version of the Book of Mormon. This Book of Mormon is not going to have any of the cross-referencings or notes or uh, things that tie you into Joseph Smith translation or not uh, the Bible or uh, whatever. But they did change something in the introduction to this new Book of Mormon that's going into bookstores. And it's very interesting and it's a perfect example of the Mormoniciousness I have uh, claimed that they are guilty of. What it is, is it says in the original Book of Mormon, up until this point, in the introduction, it says, describing who the people are in the Book of Mormon, this group is known as the Jaredites. After thousands of years, all were destroyed except the Lamanites, and they are the principal ancestors of the American Indians. The Lamanites are the principal ancestors of the American Indians. That's what the Book of Mormon has said up until this point. That's what I always read. This is what Mormons have always believed. The principal ancestors of the American Indians. The new Book of Mormon introduction changed that and says that they are among the ancestors of the American Indians. 
They're among the ancestors of the American. Why is it doing? Why are they saying this? Because DNA studies is showing more and more that there are no principal ancestors. In fact, there are no ancestors among the American Indians uh, uh, of the Jaredites or the Lehites or any of that in the Book of Mormon. Another example of Mormoniciousness, of twistianity, of changing the story, and uh, we just bring it out to you and let you decide what you want to do with it. Okay, listen, let's have, after having said that, a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, we need you, and we love you, and uh, we seek you, and we want truth. And um, we know that we fail and we're sinful, but we know that you are faithful in giving us truth if we desire it and seek it. So we ask you to open our eyes and ears tonight and help us to discern and understand truth as we study tonight's topic and open up the phone lines. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to open up the phone lines uh, right now. All right, because last week we had a full hour of me talking and I cut you guys out of about a half an hour of phone calls. So I want to open them up now. My message is really short and it's just going to kind of be a preface message for the next two or three weeks. And, uh, but we'll open them up now so you can start calling. The operators can start uh, getting information and then I'll fill it in with emails if we have a lag time on the calls. Also, we'd love to have LDS callers. We, would, we invite LDS callers. If you say you're LDS and you are LDS, you will come to the front of the line, all right? Also, if you're angry LDS, even better. So you will come to the very front of the line, all right? So uh, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. And remember, turn down your television sets, all right? Let me sort of summarize a lot of information here and help us catch up where we need to be in terms of LDS church history, which is what we've been covering this year and our, the remaining time we have of the year to cover what still is there. We discussed the so-called translation of the Pearl of Great Price that happened from some mummies and some things there that Joseph said uh, were uh, inspired writings of uh, Abraham and gave us the Pearl of Great Price. We've talked about temples, again, beginning in Kirtland, Ohio, and how they began uh, and have more maliciously changed over the years ever since. Uh, also in 1838, due to persecution, the Latter-day Saints moved from a place called, uh, to a place called Far West, where Joseph Smith received prophecies about it being the place of eternal security for them, but it wasn't, and they were driven from there too. And I'm not going to take the time to cover the Mormon War, which occurred in 1838, nor will I detail the time Joseph Smith spent in jail. Some of it was warranted, some of it was not warranted uh, in 1839. We also stopped to examine Joseph's secret marital additions back, dating back to 1833, decelerating over our time, and then manically booming in the Nauvoo years. Suffice it to say, there had been a tremendous amount of prophesying and proclaiming promises of the Lord from the mouth of Joseph Smith in these transitory years, but many of these promises and things fell flat. And it left the saints lacking faith in the man Joseph as the prophet, seer, and revelator. Now, according to LDS author Richard Bushman, he rhetorically asked in his book, Joseph Smith, Rough Stone Rolling, quote, Why had God allowed the Missourians to abuse the saints? If this was his work, where was he? Bushman then tells a story about a once stalwart LDS leader back in the day saying, quote, the succession of failures, beginning with Jackson County and continuing through the Far West Surrender, was too much for John Correll, a steady, clear-headed Missourian leader. 
At the end of his 1839 account of early Mormonism, Coral explained why he abandoned the movement. This is from Coral's uh, expose, quote, when I ret retrace our track and view the doings of the church for six years past, I can see nothing that convinces me that God has been our leader. Calculation after calculation has failed, and plan after plan has been overthrown, and our prophet has not seemed to know the event until too late. If he said, go up and prosper, still we did not prosper, but have labored and toiled and waited through trials, difficulties, and temptations of various kinds in hope of deliverance, but no deliverance came, end quote. In a moment of some appreciated intellectual honesty, Bushman comments, quote, everything Coral said was true. The LDS will say that this was all a test for the Latter-day Saints, like God testing the children of Israel in the great Exodus. I would suggest that it is a typical transitory nature of all mass movement upstarts, which have been uh, repeated time and time again from the earliest history, even to this very day. There's a persistent struggle in these early mass movement groups for individualistic autonomy, then trials come, defections, offshoots, misunderstandings, persecutions, growth, adjustments, revisions, new revelations, corruption, deceit, and dissent. It's all thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and it applies to all man-made movements. God is not the author of this. Men were. They always have and they always will be. God authored another gospel which was pure and simple and it's delineated in his word and it's available to all where even the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. Joseph Mormon movement was not dissimilar to anything we do uh, now as it started small and it morphed and changed and, uh, and failed and then became successful. Um, in, when I was in high school and a hippie surfer, I decided one year that I was going to make pots on a, on a, on a wheel, ceramic wheel, electronic. And uh, so I got one of those, and I remember that I worked very hard for about a week trying to throw one, and I finally got one done, and I, I just thought it was a, a masterpiece, and I fired it, and I put it on my parents' mantle for everybody to walk by and worship it. And, uh, and then it, 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 as... What it did for me is it said, wow, I have the ability to do this thing. And so then I had the desire to try to do another one. And so with the next one, I learned from the first one, and that one got a little bit better. And then with the next one, another and another and another. And this is what we do in life. This is what movements do. This is what people do. We do it in relationships. We do it in marriage. Artists do it. Families do it. We do this. And we learn, and we keep growing and morphing and changing. That's all fine. It's acceptable unless it comes to God's standard holy word. It doesn't morph and change. We couldn't trust him if he was constantly uh, flip-flopping back and forth on what he said is true. Um, it seems that the LDS spin doctrines and of polygamy, and they put that up on the shelf for everybody to admire and say how beautiful it is and how acceptable it is and how God wants this and this is a perfect piece, only to discover later that it's not. Now they don't take that piece and destroy it, they just put it in a dark shelf somewhere for maybe for later use, but they'll never admit it being wrong, ever, in anything they do. We talked about the blacks and the priesthood last week, in the past two weeks. They'll never admit that that was wrong. They have never apologized for that. They have never apologized for uh, Mountain Meadows, ever apologized. 
They say, well, it's really unfortunate. What a sad event that this has occurred in the annals of our history. Uh, they say all kinds, but they don't apologize. They will not take ownership for it. Why? Because if they do, then everybody says, well, maybe God isn't behind what they're doing today either. <sighs> Only... Mormonism has tenaciously and continuously thrown lumps of clay on the wheel, spinning it right before our eyes and saying it's God's creation. God does not work this way. His word is sure. It is true. It is reliable. It is unchanging. Well, after many attempts and failures at creating a social and spiritual utopia, Joseph finally was able to establish the saints in a place uh, that he called Nauvoo. And um, it was in Illinois. In a letter to the saints abroad, Joseph and Sidney Rigdon and Hiram Smith sent a letter out that said that Nauvoo was of Hebrew origin and it meant beautiful or a place of rest. What will be especially significant for us in the next few weeks is to see what direction the man they call the prophet went when he was allowed to run free in his own little town where he was the mayor and he was over the police force and he was over everything. It is going to be fantastic as we close in on his death to see what preceded it in this place called Nauvoo. He was far enough removed from the persecution for a while and he was able to establish his little fiefdom of whatever Joseph dreamed. And we're going to see his somewhat questionable stuff suddenly expand into complete insanity. And uh, this is where Mormonism really goes off. Now, some people will say, well, Joseph was martyred, wasn't he? He was killed, wasn't he? He was a prophet that was defunct. Well, if that's the case, fine. But they still adhere to him as being the prophet, and the things he taught in those Nauvoo years are still applicable to the church today. Nauvoo was a city that was based and built upon man, capital M, man. Even the street names of Nauvoo were chosen according to the valiancy of faith, faithful LDS men. Hyde, Partridge, Wells, Page, Taylor, Carlos Street, Joseph Street, Kimball Street, Young Street, Parley Street. There's no streets in there that didn't have some reference to one of the men and who founded this city and how it was laid out. We're going to spend the next two weeks speaking of what I call the unrestrained Joseph. This will reveal the man's heart, and this will show you what he was about. And you're going to get blown away uh, as we talk about some of the things he started saying were true. Okay, um, it is here at Nauvoo where Mormonism today uh, began its Mormoniciousness. It's here in Nauvoo where we get more manipulation. It's always occurred, but Nauvoo was a centralized place for it, and uh, it has always been. We're going to take our first call. We're going to Adam, first-time caller online too. Adam, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, uh, Sean, can you hear me? Yes. All right, just have one quick question here. Um, just comparison from the Bible and to what Joseph Smith said. Uh, in the Bible, when Moses got the Ten Commandments, yes, and he's talking to God, and he told him to, he put him in a cleft, in the cliff, in the in the rock. Uh huh. He said, "You can't see me, so I'm going to put my hand over you." And then as I pass by, you can look at the back of me, right? Right. And then Joseph Smith, did he actually see the Father and the Son or in the garden, you know? Yeah, he claims to have seen God the Father in a body of flesh and bone and the Son uh, in the same body and both as tangible as man. Is that just like all three major religions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam pretty much believe in Moses, right? Yeah. 
And so that's just kind of a big step forward to trump everybody and, and, and Moses himself and say, well, I am, you know, I'm bigger than Moses in a way. Like, Oh, yeah. You know. Uh, the Latter-day Saints will tell you he's the most important uh, religious leader, prophet, anything, except they'll say Jesus Christ. So Moses takes a, takes a step down from Joseph. Yeah, that's wild. Isn't it? Yeah, that's all I had, buddy. Uh, hey, great call. My mom and dad come to the church. We are the ones we pray with you, so we just want to say thank you. Hey, thank you. Great call. Hey, thank you. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Liz in Kayville. Kaysville. Liz, you're on, Liz, you're on Heart of the Matter. Liz? Yeah. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. I, I just have a, a question. If, if you uh, know what you believe in, why don't you just kind of press forward with that instead of criticizing what other people believe in? It's a good question, Liz, and let me explain that, if I can, uh, quickly. First and foremost, um, I was LDS for 40 years, okay? And so I have a, uh, my wife and my children still LDS, my parents, all my brothers and sisters, most of the people I grew up with and fellowshiped with up until I was 40 were LDS, and so I have a heart for them. Second, I came to know what Mormonism hides and what they represent, so I realized that all these people I love aren't getting the straight shot. That has led me, and I believe God has helped lead me, to write the book and establish the ministry. Now, my tactics uh, are uh, sometimes different. My methodologies are a bit different, but I believe that Latter-day Saints have to hear the truth before they can decide if they believe, truly believe it or not. And what they are believing now is half-truths. It is stuff that they are not taught. And so we speak the unspoken history here to teach them what their doctrines truly are. And I think that's important for them to come to know the truth. Now, we do have a show called The Infallible Word where all we do is teach the Bible verse by verse. We have a ch two church services where I very rarely ever even mention the name Mormon or LDS. It has nothing to do with it. But when it comes to this show, I think it's time that Salt Lake City and the LDS Church, which has gone unchecked here since they established it and ran a theocracy, and it was almost, it's almost still a theocracy here, I think it's time for someone to step up and call their bluff. Why don't, now, why don't you take equal time and maybe go after the priest with the Catholic Church and then pick another church and go after them for, I'm sure if you pick the bone far enough. Well, but, but uh, Liz, the problem is, is I don't know. I wasn't Catholic. And, and uh, I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. I was LDS. And so, you know, just like Paul. Paul was a Jew. He was, you know, one of the biggest Pharisees around. And the Lord used him to, to teach the gospel to those people at that time. You so, could find fault with almost anything if you looked, you know. If but that's not the point of the show. The point of the show is to bring out the things that aren't spoken of. And, and, and finding fault, if it boils down to that, it's unfortunate. But really what it is, is for the LDS Church to admit, at least admit, if they came out and said, you know what, we really do believe polygamy is an eternal principle, and all of us are going to be practicing it who go to the celestial kingdom and become gods, I would never talk about polygamy again, ever. But they won't. Why? Because they have a public persona that they use. They get on the news and say they're Christian. They do all kinds of stuff that's public relations oriented, and it's not the truth. That's not right. Do they do any good? Of course they do. 
Of course they do. And they are very good at letting people know the good they do. So why should I get on here and tout the good stuff they do when there's a whole bunch of dark stuff they never, ever bring forth? Why don't you bring it forth the good? What, they do it themselves. Why would I? Well, I think, I, I just, I just think it's, uh... I know you think that, Liz, but, but I, I'm sorry, you know? What, do, should, should no one criticize communism? Should no one criticize, you know, a, a, a terrible despot? I mean, should we just shut up because you can poke fun of anything? I mean, come on. What's wrong with the truth? Liz? Uh, All right, my sister. I guess the conversation's done. Thanks so much for calling. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Liz was happy. All right, let's go to Mickey from Salt Lake City. Mickey, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, uh, Sean, I have a question for you. Have you ever uh, heard of Orrin Porter Rockwell? I have. Uh, did you ever read the book that Hal Schindler wrote about him? You know, I've read excerpts. I haven't read that book. Well, uh, the only place I could find it at the time, because I knew Hal, was at the uh, 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 college. No, they wouldn't sell it anyplace else in town. But uh, he was... Uh, uh, Rock, or, uh, Brigham Young's hired gunman, and then when uh, Brigham Young was killed and he came out here with Brigham Young, I mean, Joseph Smith was killed, he came out here with Brigham Young, and uh, he was, uh, they said that in this book, that he followed a woman home from the grocery store. And when the woman went in, he pulled a gun on this woman's husband, and said, I'm taking your wife. And she's buried down in Provo. He actually did that. It brought her out here with Brigham Young, and, and she's buried in Provo. You should get that book and read it. Well, I will try to get that book, and I'll consult, uh, uh, of course, before I talk about uh, Porter Rockwell, I'll consult Sandra Tanner at utlm.org because she has all that information. And I'm a researcher, and, and I prepare stuff, and I'm a presenter. And I can't comment on whether what the story you just told, whether it's true or not. It sounds like it would be true because the guy has a reputation like no other. But yeah. uh, I look forward oh, to getting that. Um, but, but then uh, to top it all off, uh, down there at that new mall by the train station, there's a great big bust of, of uh, Orrin Porter Rockwell down there. There is? That's where we hold church, at the gateway. Yeah, at the gateway. Wow, perfect. All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate the call. We'll check that. And we're going to get to uh, Porter Rockwell as we close in on uh, Brigham Young and the assassination attempt on Boggs. Okay. Thanks so much. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. By the way, uh, Porter Rockwell was uh, Joseph Smith's childhood friend way back in, and he went all the way through uh, life with him until he was killed, and then he became jo uh, Brigham Young's guy out here, like she said. And Joseph Smith told him he was like Samson, and if he never cut his hair, he would never lose his strength. So there's pictures of the guy. Oh, he is wild, man. He's got hair like down to here, and slipped back. And My brother uh, named his, uh, his son, middle name, uh, Rockwell after Warren Porter Rockwell. So, anyway, okay, we are going to Kara, first time caller in Sandy. Kara, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi there, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I'm wondering if you follow the Warren Jeffs case. Not much. Not much. Well, um, today it was just announced through his transcripts. He was the um, prophet of the FDLS 
church. Uh-huh. FLDS? Yeah. And um, he, has, he met with his brother, of course, in jail, in prison a bunch of times. Uh-huh. But he completely has renounced um, that he, was, uh, he admits it was a scam. Wow. And he, he renounces his prophetic authority. And I'm just wondering if you can draw any parallels to, um, you know, him, him saying he really, that, that it was a farce, and if that will have any impact to the LDS, or if you just think that they'll throw it out as they're just a bunch of wackos. And That's a great question. You know, they, uh, I think they're going to throw it out as C. You know, there's only one prophet, and we've got him. It's Gordon B. Hinckley. But it's good he confessed his sins and he, he admitted who he was. See, when you leave the true church, become FLDS, you're inferior, and all, you're in jail and all this. They'll use that. It's interesting, your comment, because I did get an email that says, are you, what are you suggesting the church does? It works. Uh, it works. Why would they change? It's powerful, accomplished, flush with assets and cash, growing, tasteful, and reasonable. What, what would you suggest that they do to change? And along these lines, Warren Jeffs, he's admitted, you know, it was all a farce. I would love to hear uh, one of the general, I would love to hear Gordon B. Hinckley stand up at general conference and just make a few simple declarations. I'd love to hear him say in, uh, in Mormon speak, uh, you know, we have been wrong in our uh, belief in God being uh, polytheistic. Uh, we want you to turn to one God. We have been wrong on uh, how you're saved. Uh, we, you cannot save yourself through your works or exalt yourself through your own righteousness. It is through grace and grace alone that you're saved. We have been wrong in embracing the pearl of great price and the doctrine and covenants and blood atonement and polygamy. We have been wrong. We are sorry. We are so sorry for what we've done. I don't think anyone will care. They'll appreciate the LDS church and their membership will grow into true Christianity. You know, why doesn't Gordon B. Hinckley follow Jeff's and make some admissions of what's been going on? That's the problem. If they did, I would, we'd shut the show down right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels in the early church. You know, Joseph Smith was doing exactly the same thing Warren Jeff got tracked down for. Exactly. You know, and for him to come out and say, yes, I realize God, I have, you know, I've realized I've wronged God and I want to make with a contrite heart, I want to make this right. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing Joseph Smith was doing and why he got intact by the mob. You're right. It's a great, it's I, a great I parallel. Parallel, and I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I hope, you know, the church kind of eventually sees that the roots are, are where it went wrong. Yeah. That's a great call. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Sean. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. We also have had the question several times of, do Latter-day Saints teach their people to speak in Mormon talk? And, um, and the answer, in my experience, is no. I never had a, a lesson in a class on how to, how to speak. But what happens is there's a top-down, there's a kind of a water-get-to-the-end-of-the-row thing, and what happens is you have a general conference where the highest level of authority is speaking, and they say, uh, and, and this is Mormon speak, Thomas was a good boy. He enjoyed life. His parents were pleased with Thomas as he walked and played about on a warm spring day. Suddenly, a dog chased Thomas. He stopped 
and he petted the ferocious dog. Tears flowed from Thomas. And so they have this thing, this sing-song lilt, this delivery. And what they do is they see the leaders do this. So then the state presidents who want to be leaders and the bishops who want to be like the leaders, they go back to their wards and stakes and they give talks just like that too. And the women give talks like they see the women give. And then the young women's presidency and the girls see their mothers giving it. So they start talking that way and it becomes a Stepford, man. It's just insanity. So, uh... That is how it happens, but it isn't like a formal, uh, this is how you uh, give a talk. Okay, uh, let's go to Brian in Ogden. Brian, you're on Heart of the Matter. Brian. Hi, Sean. This is Brian calling from Ogden, and I just wanted to tell you thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. And, and uh, just let you know, you should not be confusing those devout Mormons with the facts. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. And besides that, there's a reason that they don't want their membership to look into the, the history of the early history of the Mormon Church, and that's because they're concealing their murders. Yeah, there's some there's some really big information coming out on that now, isn't there? Yeah, and and they're they're digging up bodies from Springfield down south in a lot of the subdivisions that are not Indian bodies, and uh, you know uh, were these the blood atonements that they were doing? Yeah. And then, that, you know, that doesn't go to, to even speak about, let's not even talk about the uh, Danites right. and what they did and how they were per so persecuted and run out of Illinois after they burnt down a whole city one night in the state of Illinois. Yeah. We're going to get to all the Danites and all their, the Council of 50 and all that stuff they were doing as a product of uh, pre-Nauvoo and Nauvoo life. Well, I, I love your show. Very interesting. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much for the call. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, supposedly, we just lost a microphone. Supposedly, um, there uh, is a book out now. Will Bagley is speaking on it, uh, who wrote all about the Mountain Meadows. And they're coming to find out some journals and some real interesting insights on the guy who kept Brigham Young's diaries, who was found dead in three inches of water in the streets of uh, Salt Lake. And for no, said that they said he drowned. He didn't drown. And he knew all about Mountain Meadows and Brigham's participation in it. Mormonism has always, always, I'm not, this is not rhetoric. They have always been a violent religion. And they, uh, they do not believe in turn the other cheek uh, every time. Forgive seven times 70. They believe in if you strike me too, once too many times, I'm coming after you. And they have always believed that. And so they are very retaliatory. And you can see that throughout, speckled throughout their history, even in the, in the founding uh, characteristics of Joseph. He was uh, a great uh, charisma, but he was a fighter and a brawler, and if you punched him, he's going to punch you back and take you down the street, and they believe in the same stuff. Okay, let's go to Tim in Payson. Tim, you're on Heart of the Matter. How you doing, Sean? Hey, I'm doing well, Tim. How are you? It's good to talk to you again there, Brother McCraney. Hey, uh, just, uh, I guess a bit of redundancy. I, I really appreciate uh your ministry, you know, um, the, the LDS and the family and the accident laws and everything, very stalwart, uh, get very defensive, and, and uh, you know, when, when discussing true church history, uh, using their own church-endowed uh, and endorsed resources, yeah. and, and it's not unlike, you know, when I served a mission. Uh, I, I, I went out uh, to a foreign country and was preaching LDS doctrine. And I see 
your ministry, and I, you know, I, I think the LDS, like I guess Liz, is sort of what I'm addressing, are misinterpreting the whole purpose here, uh, and your ministry, to which I'm very grateful, uh, bringing me back to uh, Christian authenticity, and oh, that is, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's no different than uh, than the mission I served, teaching LDS doctrine, right? As I perceive what your ministry is doing with the show, Heart of the Matter. Awesome. And and in that being said, man, I, I love watching the infallible word where you get true uh, gospel of Jesus Christ on the other hand. So thanks. I just wanted to say thanks. Appreciate your effort. Thanks so much, Tim. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, man. Thanks a lot. Keep it going. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Uh, we got an email from Tom saying that there is a good LDS family with eight kids living next to them. They're very strict. They've had them over for dinner, trying to probably trying to convert them, but that they are Christians. Uh, how would they, should they go about trying to reach them? And a few things, uh, Tom, um, the different methods for different people, and the Lord is going to have to lead. Some people you'll find require a two-by-four across the head with information. Some people require decades of love. Some people require uh, a mix of it. I don't know, but I think love is the best way. And I think that in most cases, as you just continually exude a uh, truly Christian life, which is very different in reality to a truly Mormon life, I think uh, some things will uh, happen there. Also remember you're planting seeds. Because you don't see the harvest doesn't mean that you aren't affecting them. Even if they stand off or standoffish towards you, Tom, uh, they still are observing and you're planting seeds which will someday germinate and then finally God's going to do it. It's going to be him and his time and his will. So remember those things and it might help you out. Um, I want to share with you, I want to invite you into my life of emails really quickly. I received this email from Drew and it said, I recently watched your show on channel 20. I would like to have an open uh, correspondence with you. Strictly intellectual, no emotions involved. And then he goes on to say that um, I know the Bible better than any person I know. And I have even gotten uh, some of your ministers to believe in the concept that is strictly unique to Mormonism. I am a history and philosophy major and can keep up with anyone with regards to theology and philosophy. The history background helps a lot as well. I have um, appealed to everyone I know. I know the Bible through and through. I know the Book of Mormon better than anyone else I've ever met excluding the apostles. And I know a vast majority of the writings of recent Mormon theologians. I have a semi-photographic memory and retain 98% of the things I read as noted by a specialized test. Therefore, I am not a bitter, ignorant Mormon. He goes on and on, very humble guy. So anyway, I wrote back, I said, I'm willing to dialogue with anyone who wants to know Jesus better, Andrew. I prefer to stick to one question, one question alone, and then we can progress away. He wrote me back. He said, okay, what exactly do I believe that's contrary to the Bible? I wrote back, salvation by grace plus works. That's what I wrote. And then he wrote back and he said uh, a number of things, but he ended it with, there are many Mormons who have done what you call works and who will not live with God. And there are many good people, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Thomas Aquinas, and others who did not do these works and will yet live with God. Well, this is just not LDS belief. And so my response to him, just taking you through it, was... Uh, listen, before we can proceed, Andrew, do you represent yourself or do you represent Mormon thought? Because if you're representing your own thoughts, this is a ridiculous conversation because anyone can have their own. I just want to speak about Mormonism in general. And then he wrote back and he started to get emotional. 
and he started to attack me. And I wrote the conversations over. That's all I wrote. God bless you. And then he wrote me and said that he discerns in me that I have the spirit of a pornographic pedophilia, uh, pedof pedophile, and that uh, although he can't prove it, we will all know one day. It's just too bad you aren't man enough to face up to your sins and move on rather than fight the Lord's church to the end like Satan. And I wrote back and I said, quote, uh, my suspicions have been validated. And he said, oh, boy, I can't read you what he said. But uh, it's just amazing what they are capable of in their own arrogance and then what they are capable in their own anger when you, you, just, you just, just give them back something simple, you know, just like grace and, and just volumes of this stuff. It's a shame. It's a waste of time. Andrew, come to know the Lord. We're going to Jesse on line three. Jesse from Salt Lake City. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, I was calling in um, because uh, I'm not really going to attack or anything, but as a, as a former LDS, you must know, um, I've studied, uh, I, w I served a mission, just came back about nine months ago. Uh -huh. um, but I've studied a lot of uh, anti-Mormon literature from Sandra Tanner and, and some of your uh, colleagues up there at the Lighthouse Ministry. Uh-huh. Um, but as, uh, as I've studied, um, I find Mormon doctrine to be consistent with the Bible as in your extra-biblical creeds, because the creeds um, don't, were not taught until later. Um, if you actually study early Christian history, the belief of Mormonism, as taught by Elder Holland in this last general conference, was the original doctrine taught by Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> that, we, we talk, had you, did you see the show where we talked about that, Jesse? Yeah. Because that was, Holland's talk was a joke. It was an absolute joke. Have you, the earliest reference to the Trinity period is not until 200 years after Christ. I don't even care about the word Trinity. Read the Bible. What does it say? One God. What's well, Deuteronomy 4, 5 say? The other God is polytheism is not what we believe. You do believe in polytheism. How could you say you don't believe that, Jesse? You're a return missionary and you just told me that you do not believe in polytheism. I that is not. an absolute yeah, categorical misstatement. What's that? Yeah, Henotheistic, which is uh, yeah, I know what it is. More than one God, but one God in purpose. No, we're not talking about the Godhead here. We're talking about an eternal regression of gods, and we're talking about the idea that you will become a god. I'm not even speaking of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit here. Okay. Yeah. But well, becoming gods is actually consistent with the Bible, um, just maybe not so, clear interpretation. Are you polytheistic or are you not? I'm not. How can you say that? You believe you can become a god. You believe you can become a god. You believe there is a god. Isn't that two gods? Yeah, but there's one god in purpose right now, but we believe that we can become just like God. Okay, what about God's father? What did Joseph teach about the father of God? What about the eternal the God? There are many gods, but there's only one god as pertaining to us. As in taught in 1 Corinthians. Okay, if you okay, as in taught in 1 Corinthians. Nice segue there. They're throwing a Bible verse to try to support this junk that you're trying to pass off here, Jesse. Listen, listen. anybody who listens to this conversation is going to hear the duplicitousness of what you're trying to say. You have admitted that there are an eternal regression of gods. God after God after God after God going backward. You have admitted that you are going to become a God or hope to, and other people will too. You have admitted that there is a God here, God the Father that you believe in, and you say that you do not believe in polytheism. Now you wonder why people are so mind-screwed in this church. 
They cannot understand a single thing of what they believe. Because it's supported in the Bible. It is not supported in the Bible, my friend. You're reading it subjectively. You're pumping in all kinds of inferential stuff to try to say this is what the Bible says. Read it in context. I do read it in You context. aren't reading it in context. You have a priest. There's so many different churches. You've been preconditioned, Jesse, to read the Bible as it's being presented to you. You have been told what is believed. You've been given stuff since you were a kid. You can't read the Bible without clear eyes. You have to be born again to understand what it's telling you, my brother. The you thing have is, to. is that your concept of God is not consistent with the Bible. My That's concept funny. of God is so consistent with the Bible. I'm, you got, you, who do you think you're kidding here? You're talking about thousands upon maybe even millions of Bible scholars, people who have looked at all the languages and who believe fully in the Trinitarian concept of God without ever touching the creeds, and, never even looking at the creeds. And many have denounced it. All yeah, many. How many Mormons in the, how many people have become LDS who are scholars in the Bible that have left the scholarly walk of a Christian and become a Mormon? Name one. Name two. Jesse, you are a missionary still, and you give missionary arguments. Bottom line, the facts are, my brother, you have been misguided to no end. If you believe in more than one God anywhere, it is an abomination to the God of heaven, who was the first and the last. You are an abomination if you put anybody before him or after him. Do you understand that? You're messing with the holiness of God. I'm not talking about... Not, it's talking about idols in Isaiah 43, verse 10. Oh, Jesse. Jesse, I did my best. Yeah, so read it I tried to, also. Jesse, I really tried to be emphatic, strong, well, throughout you, every argument I could. What do you think about Revelation chapter 1, verse 6? What does it say, Jesse? Kings and, and, oh, you can't use that verse. That That isn't even talking about, you know what? That, you really, Jesse, that is a total well, missionary days, ploy. Since 321. What about it? Those all support being joint heirs with Christ. If you're not, if an heir is something that you receive, okay, in order to get all that God has, you have to become like him. In order to do that, you have to be a God. You're twisting and spinning here. We believe we can be joint heirs with hey, Christ. Look it up. We're, we believe we can be joint heirs with Christ. We believe we're adopted. We become a child of God. Come on. But there's a big difference. If you read it contextually, Jesse, there's just a big difference. And what it, about Revelation 321 and, and 721? Okay, right? the one revelation talking about God and his fathers? Yes. That's a lowercase g, and it is talking about judges. It has nothing to do with the father of God. Come on. I can't even believe. I. You know what? Bob Vukic, I'm going to use Bob Vukic. He's a, he's a Christian. Uh, he's an LDS apologist. He would laugh that you're bringing that up and trying to use it right now. Right. You're a missionary, Jesse. Learn what your church really teaches and believes, study the Bible, and come to know Jesus, and forget all this stuff. Okay, we've taken enough time. I'm going to Curtis, but thank you for the call. Okay, bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, Curtis, on line four. We lost the mic on here. Curtis, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Good. I was just trying to see you finish up that uh, last call or whatever. Um, I just uh, had a, a quick uh, comment here. Not really to get like Bible bashing or anything with you, but uh, um, I had heard earlier that uh, you had kind of uh, mentioned or you talked about how God doesn't um, change or he doesn't uh, ever change his doctrine, something like that. You had kind of hinted uh, toward that. Yeah. yeah. Um, how we talked about, uh, you talked about our polygamy, how we once believed in it and now 
we kind of don't. We kind of hung it up on the shelf there. And um, I just uh, wanted to bring out here in Acts chapter 10, and I'm sure you're you're very well uh, familiar with this, where you know uh, at first the um, the ministry or the gospel was not supposed to be taken to the Gentiles, just the Jews at first. But then Peter, you know, receives this revelation, and he says, "Okay, well now you can, you know, take it to the Gentiles now." And he also talks about, you know, certain food which they were not allowed to eat at first, but now he kind of changes his mind. And so I guess, uh, you know, I just kind of want to bring that out there that, you know, I, it's right here it's a Bible, um, something in the Bible that shows that, hey, God can, you know, at a certain point do what kind of change his mind. <laughs> and I guess I just kind of... Uh, wanted your comment on that, and then I also just had one other question before okay. I get your comment on that. Okay. I'm really trying to be patient because of the last caller. What is it? Oh, oh, you, I want. Do you have any response? Oh, oh, the response to that is uh, there's a difference between a progression. I mean, God gives us uh, light and more light, and there's a difference between progression of what God reveals and gives to us, and a uh, categorical change of an imperative doctrine. You know, and that's the difference. The LDS have taught that you cannot live with God in the celestial kingdom and become a God unless you practice polygamy. All right? They have taught that. And then to say, no, it's not important anymore. All right? And then to say, it's not only not important, we have nothing to do with it, but to, but to believe in it when they say that, this is all a big difference than the Gentiles being able to eat meat as believers and the Jews not being able to eat pork meat. So, you know, you're, you're comparing what seems like apples to apples, but it's really not. You're comparing a turkey to a grape and the very different things here. You know, and that's, that's what happens when you come through. And if you read the Bible contextually, you'll see that God is constantly, he has his plan and he does work with it, but he's not changing anything. He's progressing his people through and he's teaching them and he opened it up to the Gentiles. There's not a change in that. It's just a progression. But there's a difference between stating that's something you have to do and then suddenly it's not. For instance, the temple ceremony. They had things that you had to do in order to get to heaven. You don't have to do those things anymore. Why? This is a morphine and it's a way to survive. All right? Blacks in the priesthood. They said that you would, no black would ever have the priesthood until the resurrection. When all men have the, all white men have the right to get it. Suddenly that changes in 78. Why? Because of the Brazilian temple. So this is the thing that I'm fighting against. And, and, and I hope that's understood. All right, what's your final comment? Uh, the final comment is, uh, I'm sure you're very well this as well. You know, we believe in um, modern day revelation. We also believe in uh, personal revelation. And I, as myself, can sit here and say that I have felt the spirit and I've had taught God tell me that the LDS church is the true church and that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. And I guess my question would be to you is, if that's not the spirit, I guess, what is that? What is, uh, from your perception, what is that? Because millions of people can bear their testimony to you and say, God has spoken to me yeah. and told me. Yeah. And I can't find that in the Bible. I have to get personal revelation. Well, millions of, millions of Bible pe personal revelation that people will receive. Many people, Curtis, millions of people can tell you that Buddhism is the way and God has shown them. They can tell you that Islam is the way and God has shown them. That David Koresh was the way, put out the fire at my feet. 
I mean, where does it end? Can you just can you just turn to yourself and say, wow, God showed me that this is it. You have to have something to, to back it against this personal revelation you have. Oh, and, I have plenty to back it against. No, no I, I'm not being personal here. So what we have is we have the word of God that we trust completely. And we turn to that and we say, my personal revelation says that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. These are the things that Joseph teaches. What does the Bible say about what Joseph teaches? Oh, wait a minute. We have some incongruencies here. We have a problem. And then you have to say, well, what am I going to trust? My belief and feelings that Joseph was a prophet or the word of God? You have decided to choose this personal revelation that all Islams and the Hindus and, and the David Koreshians all believe. You've chosen that path. Unfortunately, it's inferior. And you've built your whole superstructure of beliefs upon something that is completely fallible. The word of God is not fallible. We can trust him in what he said. But of course, Joseph built into your, into your belief systems that this book can't be trusted because it may not have been translated right. So when you go to that source and it conflicts with what Joseph said, well, Joseph received more information that was in addition to this book that's been corrupted. You see the system? Well, the uh, Bible has a contradiction uh, just as well. All right, my friend, we're at, out of time. Thank okay. you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Listen, uh want to say reading uh, someone gave me this book in fact it was margie thank you so much and someone asked the question can a person go to the temple uh without knowledge of what his genealogy is and this is from joseph fielding smith a prophet at the time said when a person is baptized and confirmed and receives the priesthood and is worthy he may go to the temple and be married for all time and all eternity we do not question his genealogy except that he is white that just kind of ties up last week we don't question his genealogy, except that he is white. That's just beautiful Joseph Fielding Smith, prophet of the LDS Church. But this has mormoniciously been changed as well. Listen, I have to conclude by telling you I don't want you to think that I hate Mormons. In fact, I love Latter-day Saints. That's what causes me to do what I do, study what I study, follow through with what I follow through on. I want you to know the peace and rest that you can have in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that causes you to worship him, which Latter-day Saints don't do. They just don't worship the Lord. You can have that relationship if you just turn it over to him. We'll see you next week on Heart of the Matter.